0: Thank you, Phil. You know, one of the nice things about the walk I went on was my absolute silence when it came to social media, where I was thousands and thousands of feet above sea level. You don't get service. And it was beautiful. I've got to say, not having any contact at all with any social media was delightful. Before I went away, it was a a catfight. The yes and no vote, it just seemed a catfight. It just seemed both sides people having a go at each other in awful ways. As I went away and came back again, it just seems to have escalated to this catfight. Mary summed it up well. I've never seen anything like it. You know, just what's happening, it's just hard to believe we're a, um, we're a, a civil community, isn't it? It's hard to believe when we hear and see things Hard to believe that civilised people can act so horribly towards each other. Otherwise, neighbours getting on well are just turning on one another. You know, for those who support the no vote, at the moment it seems it's disturbing for them to see this wave of, of, of hatred and disdain and, and, and vitriol being being directed at them, this you know, guy at a rally down in Sydney, it's okay to vote no. People hurling eggs at that, hurling abuse. You know, it just seems that the no advocates shouted down, egged, pushed around, sacked from their jobs, their businesses boycotted. It just seems there's pressure on anybody who says no, we don't think same-sex marriage should occur. Politicians get head-butted now, yeah, no voters are generally fearful of letting their choice be made public in case of backlash, in case that stone, that, that anger gets thrown at them. Let's rewind 30 years to 1987. Young Andy Collins finds himself working in, a record in, in the record industry, finds himself going out on a Saturday night just happens to be the gay Mardi Gras in town. I'm I'm used to working with gay people at the record industry, but I'm not used to seeing the gay community in such numbers. Where I grew up, to be called gay was a huge insult. Gay people in my workplace are openly ridiculed and mocked and openly treated poorly because of their lifestyle choices. And it's encouraged by others. It's no different at Mardi Gras. People hurl insults. People throw eggs. People spit on those participating. I wasn't used to seeing such public hatred so openly projected at people. You're going to hell. Gay people were generally fearful of letting their choice be made public for fear of backlash. So it's not all that new, this hatred by the masses being projected at those who disagree. seems to me the main issue is don't mess with the mob. Whatever the mob believe, don't try and go against them. Despite that hatred, it's, it's, you know, the, the gay community has endured and it finds itself, for better or worse if you'll pardon the pun, front row centre again. The tables have turned. It seemed that we live in a time where councils, where government departments, sporting clubs, businesses throw their weight behind the yes campaign and, and marriage equality and woe betide anyone who disagrees. And yet, we have Jesus. Don't you just get challenged by that verse that Phil read out? He himself is our peace. He makes the two one. He is the common ground that that breaks down every wall of hostility. I know there are people in here who strongly believe yes, who believe yes, who strongly believe no, who believe no. But I love above all, we can come into a place this morning and he is our common ground. Thank you so much Jenny for the, the sensitivity in which you picked those songs. I think we hit the nail on the head with those songs. we hear about Jesus who was light of the world he came into darkness. you know he really shows us you know we don't have to always love those who just love us, love those who are good. He loved the the unlovely and it's a lesson for us at this time when we just have so much in a sense craziness happening in our society that we can just focus on Jesus who is our peace and who we believe holds everything together. To have the wrath of the mob against you means certain condemnation in its ugly forms because they come armed with stones that they're ready to throw. And Just look at this story today. No one knows better than Jesus what it's like to have the mob against you. One minute the mob is worshipping him, aren't they? One minute the mob is bowing down, save us, Hosanna to the king. The next day they're baying for his blood, crucify him. That's the mob. The mob is fickle. In today's story, we see Jesus confronted by a mob intent on catching him out. They're intent. On stoning him, they've got stones that they want to throw at the woman. They say, but they're really wanting to throw them at Jesus. They're hoping he'd mess up, hoping that they could find something against him to put him down. And doesn't his response challenge us? Doesn't it challenge us? Those who are without sin, cast the first stone. Yeah, the scene opens with Jesus teaching in the temple courts. He's sitting down, teaching, just sitting down. Teaching a small bunch of people. When this mob comes in and, and, and disturbs proceedings, you know, at Newtown it used to happen all the time. We'd actually just be getting up to preach, getting up to teach, and all of a sudden people would come in and just blah! And it throws you. <laughs> it throws you when you're put on the spot and ask the question, uh, 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 I wish I'd said this, you know, quite often in hindsight you think, oh, I should have said that. I you know, you, when you're put on the spot, it's a difficult situation. Today's story. You've got it even worse, A mob that's, that's murderous have come in. You know, Many believe the woman would have been standing there naked before Jesus and the people, not just you know, in, in all of her shame. An adulterer, either she was married and slept with a man who wasn't a husband or she was sleeping with a married man. Whatever the situation, in her search for intimacy and love, she's played a dangerous game and being caught out. Do you know, even in our permissive 21st century, you'd be surprised that in a whole lot of surveys, Christian, religious, secular, the vast majority of people still say adultery or extramarital sex is just wrong. People still believe somehow that it's wrong to do this. Think of the last celebrity, you know, who cheated on his or her wife. You know, very rarely do you hear anyone sticking up for them. Still in our society there's something that, that basically says the adulterer. Adultery is still taboo. So I reckon not only would the Pharisees and teachers of the law, yes, look, this woman caught in adultery. You know they, they would have been angry but I bet the vast majority of people that were sitting around hearing Jesus talking, they would have got angry too. They would have been, oh yeah, an adulterer. They would have been outraged. And we read in verse 5, they quote Moses Moses, in the law. Moses commanded us to stone such women. Moses commanded us. Moses, this figure that's held so highly, commanded, not suggested, but commanded us to stone such women. We could look at Leviticus 20.10. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife with the wife of his neighbour, both the adulterer and the adulteress are put to death. Deuteronomy 22, 24, you shall take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. And why? You must purge the evil from among you. These really black and white statements that basically say, why do you have to do it? Purge this evil that's among you. Put both of them to death by stoning It's interesting that only the woman's there, isn't it? When both of them are to be put to death. She deserves stoning. Well, the bottom line, interestingly, is that in those days, even in Jesus' days, it wasn't always punishable by death to be caught in adultery. If it was indeed the first time and the woman was remorseful about it or the parties were remorseful and and chose to actually um, not do it again, then the woman would have her dowry, would have that sort of, you know, the things that were given to her to actually, you know, help her financially, those things would be taken from her. If it was a repeat crime, though, yes, you could be stoned. So, so in a sense, they're, they're, they're sort of, you know, playing around a bit with, with the traditions, but certainly they're basically saying, Jesus, are you for the law or against it? Are you for Moses or against him? He's got a dilemma. If he agrees with Moses, they'll report him to the Roman governor for taking on upon himself the ability to, 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 to condemn a person to death, which only the governor could do. So, so if he says yes, then basically oh, we've got him. If he disagrees, then obviously they're going to be telling the people. He's an enemy of the Jews because he disagrees with Moses and the law that's held so sacred. Both are going to lead to his downfall. So what's he going to say? How's he going to deal with this? Well, much has been made of what Jesus does as a response, isn't it? He stoops down and writes on the ground. The age-old question, what did he write? You know, and, and, and scholars and we all, I'm, I'm sure if I ask people, what do you think he wrote? Anyone want to guess? He was doodling. doodling? He was doodling, That's that's right, yeah. Right, yep. Yep, that's right, yeah. The sins of, of other, the, the other people. Anyone else? I don't think it matters, personally. I actually reckon it was a symbolic act. A symbolic act. They've just told Jesus Moses commanded them to stone the adulterers to death. But ultimately it wasn't Moses' command, was it? Moses was relaying what God had written, what God had commanded via Moses. We look at Exodus 31 verse 18. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. So when we see Jesus writing on the ground, Are we seeing God writing the law? I think that's what we see here because last week Mary said the same thing. Jesus isn't just some teacher. Jesus didn't say he was just some teacher or some good man. He himself time and time again was saying he is the one who gave the very law to Moses in the first place. Isn't that so important for us to hear that when Jesus speaks, God speaks? Do we need to hear that this week? And when Jesus is saying something, it's like God is talking to us. Later on in chapter 8, he tells the Jewish leaders, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. This morning in our prayer time, Judy and I, and thank you Judy for the waratah, my favourite flower. I, I can't wait to see all the Waratah around here. I love it. I absolutely love Waratah. But Judy and I were just looking at a, a psalm on the wall and it was basically talking about the Lord reigns in majesty. The, the, the earth is secure. Don't we need to hear that? No matter what else is happening, the God is in control. The Lord we serve. Before Abraham was born, he was around. He'll be around long after we're gone. So whatever happens, we we, we just thank you that we have, thank you Lord that we have your presence with us even though society might be shaken. Thank goodness we have Jesus who speaks to us. Thank goodness we have Jesus who gives us his peace. So the answer is not just that of a man. God says to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. What an incredibly wise thing for us to ponder. And sit on. Is it okay to keep silent at this time? Is it okay to let it go? As you know, I was a pastor for many years at Newtown Mission, which is the Uniting Church. And one of the great, um, one of the great uh, by-products of that time there was it was the Uniting Church. And in my time there, the denomination was struggling with the, the issue of ordaining gay or lesbian ministers. And sometimes it got ugly. Not just the, the name calling and the and, and the verbal abuse that was hurled at meetings. It occasionally got violent at church meetings. There were people being pushed around, and actually punches being swung. It was a disturbing time for the denomination. I was part of what came out of that: the uniting prayer and fasting movement. This this movement that basically wanted to seek God on behalf of that denomination, a truly godly organisation in the midst of, of this denomination that, that, that in a sense was imploding. You know, Initially, many of our prayers were to ask, above all that God would convict these, these terrible sinners who were going against clear biblical teaching, convict them if they need to repent and come back to the truth of God's word. The leader of that movement was Anne Hibbert who preached at my ordination. She was a great, great woman of prayer, a true prayer warrior, someone who just, in a sense, you could tell she struggled. She was interceding all the time for God's church. I remember vividly at one of these prayer rallies Anne starting the rally by saying she felt very strongly that God was calling us those that were at the prayer rally, to repentance and our self-righteous attitudes, the way in which we subconsciously, subconsciously put ourselves above others. It was a time of deep repentance and turning back. It was a very humbling time to be on our faces before God, asking him to forgive us for our appalling attitudes to our fellow brothers and sisters. The bottom line, we're not ultimately responsible in upholding God's word if in the process we're doing it in this superior, holier-than-thou attitude. I'll say that again. The bottom line is we're not ultimately responsible for upholding God's word if in the process we're doing it in this superior, holier-than-thou attitude. I think in today's story we see that, don't we? With These Pharisees who are basically, you know, you scum, these scum, look at us. So Jesus just points out something. A little close to home, doesn't he? Really? You're really that good? Something that speaks to their heart because I think we were blown away with the love God gave us for our so-called enemies during that prayer time. Our brothers and sisters, sure they disagreed with us but would the Lord Jesus want us to go against him? Does the Lord ever want us to cause division and splitting does that honour the name of Jesus who says, you know, they'll know, the world will know they're my disciples by their love for one another. That somehow Jesus was able to speak to us. Our brains told us they were wrong. Our brains, we worked you know, we could, we could argue why they were wrong but our hearts were convicted. But you know what? We don't want to harbor such hatred in our hearts for our fellows. But the Pharisees allow themselves to be convicted by Jesus' words. Jesus bends down a second time. I just, I can just imagine rah, the anger they were feeling towards Jesus. You know, oh, you know, just he can do that sometimes, can't he, the Lord? He just wells up in us these emotions. It's such a humbling act. You know, the one who first decreed the woman caught in adultery should be stoned makes himself vulnerable. So if they're incensed by that, they would just throw the stones at him. You know, Mobs of people on both sides of this debate, this same-sex marriage debate, they've got stones in their hand and they're ready to lob them. You just have to look at, at social media to see the, the, the absolute hatred in both sides. A woman on Thursday, I, I, was, I was watching something and, and she actually said, I'd so love to smack you in the mouth right now. You know, just these statements of, of such hatred that are so public. I love that it's the old people first who put down their stones. Young people are passionate. We love that, don't we? We love the passion and, the, and the, the idealism and the drive in our younger people. But those of us that have lived a bit longer, I'm certainly finding this out, I think we realise you've got to pick your fights, don't you? really. You've just got to, nothing, some things aren't worth the energy. Some things you just have to let ride out. Some things you just sort of think, yeah, it'll work out. You know, It's true, isn't it? As we get older, things that so we're so passionate about, we just sort of think, no, it's okay. And I love that. The old people first, put down the stones, And what happens next is astounding, isn't it? Each and every one of them put down their stones. They're convicted. Gosh, you know, I'm a sinful person. It's incredible. It's holy ground right there as these righteous people put down their stones. Jesus asked the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. The bottom line is that each and every Australian caught up in this debate, as we have been reminded this morning by Jenny, is a creation of God. We believe it, I firmly believe it, not just some of us, not just those of us that come to church, every single one of us, every single Australian is someone the Lord Jesus offers the same grace and new life to. Yeah, this woman, she sought the arms and affection, the love of a man who wasn't a husband. I'm sure there was some sort of desire for fulfillment in that. It wasn't just an act. But such love that she was looking for again and again in John's Gospel was only found in Jesus. The release from condemnation of Jesus. Just like the woman at the well, or was it five husbands and another man she was living with who wasn't a husband? You know, you're not going to find any love there, any peace in those. Only in Jesus, the living water. And for us, I think it's just similar to this time. Religious people, we are the religious people. Are we going to stick to the law or are we going to offer and model freedom? Just like that beautiful song, Amazing Grace, as I was, re- as I was singing that. I felt it. I felt I have been set free. My chains are gone. I'm released into the world to show the world what freedom truly looks like. My desire for every single person affected by this same-sex marriage debate is the same one I would have for the gay, heterosexual, anybody in Australia. They'd come to have an intimate Personal relationship with the Lord Jesus, with their good, good Father. Don't you desire that for those calling? Every single one of them, the Lord reaches out His hand. I loved in that um, in, in the in the presentation, the two hands reaching out for each other. God's reaching out for every single Australian. It's true, isn't it? We know it. We do know it's true. It's just ugly to see that we we sort of get selected, do they deserve such love and grace? But only Jesus will ultimately satisfy any marriage, gay or straight. It's only a shadow of what it will be anyway unless the Lord is in control of that marriage. I firmly believe that. I remember finally watching the Jesus film that had been given to me 10 years earlier at the record company I was working in. By that time, my life had firmly fallen apart. I'd had a child with a woman who wasn't my wife. I was currently in another affair, another relationship with a married woman. Yes, I was. And at that time, my life had fallen apart. I remember watching a scene where a prostitute was moving around the crowd and, and she was sort of you know, making herself seductive. And she, she goes up to Jesus and, and, and these religious men on the, on the side, these religious people looking at him, oh, funny, you knew what a sinful woman, you, he wouldn't be talking to her, just the hatred in their eyes. And the woman cowers when she looks at it. And Jesus turns to them and says something along the lines, if any, anyone without sin throw the first stone and, and they cower at his look. And I remember just that love as Jesus looks at that woman and just speaks words of hope into her life. And by the end of the film, you know, and watching him die in my place, I firmly remember saying, if, if, if that's Jesus, I will follow him anywhere. Just the, the, the look, in, it was just a film, but the look of love in his eyes for someone like me who knew you know, what a, what a terrible life I'd led, who knew that I had no peace or joy in my life. To watch those eyes giving me hope, I'll follow him anywhere. And to this day, you know, I'm so grateful, so glad for that intimacy with the good, good Father that I've got. That that intimacy of someone who I didn't deserve any of the love or hope or future that I was given, and yet, me, this hopeless sinner, was given this opportunity. I don't condemn you. Go and leave this life of sin, a brand new life offered for every single Australian. If only they'll see beyond everything else to a God who loves them, to a Father who just wants to bless them, to a a Lord Jesus who just died so they could have life in abundance. And my life made more complete as Jesus is made Lord of the marriage between myself and the woman he chose for me. And I know I know I stand before you saying that we can only keep our marriage together as he remains Lord of it. It's true, isn't it, for those that have been married for years. You can only get through life, 21st century life, with his Lordship, with him leading and guiding. So in this time of uproar and upheaval, let's choose to put down our stones. You know, Melissa's not here today. She's down in Tempe. And interestingly, it's with a bunch of people who were very antagonistic towards us when we first met them, the the, the Christian minister and his family. You know, they're very, very much in a city, very much, you know, yes voters. So so they would quite often want to press us what do you believe, you know, what do you you think about da 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 da? And I I remember just saying to them, you know, again, God's wisdom, just get to know us first. Before we you tell you, know, before we tell you what we think, and so now you know, Melissa goes down to their their parties, you know, and there's there's quite often um, you know same-sex couples with their kids there and all that sort of stuff, and it's just it's a beautiful blend, you know, they're lifelong friends of ours, even though we disagree. It's just we see beyond, we see beyond just the, the differences, you know, Jesus. He loved to dine with the sinners. He loved to spend time with them. It, it rattled the religious people but it's a model that we should remember. He's the one who doesn't condemn any of us but chooses to come and show us something different, show us a different way to live. And that's, that's all we hope too. We, we hope that somehow we can just show the people of Blackheath anybody who might sort of be, be be stuck in the yes or no? There's something even beyond that, to a to a life that's offered that is free of condemnation and free of sin, free of the 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 sort of the way in which sin seeks to just entangle our lives. To be free of that, I can I pray that I, that somehow I can be a person that offers a glimpse of something better than just having my rights. In fact, the Christian life is exactly the opposite, isn't it? It's a laying down of our rights and we are slaves to Christ. You know, I, I love that. about, and, and, I, and I pray that somehow I can show the freedom of a man that's set free from sin, left that life of sin and delights in the grace and the love being showered constantly upon his life, being showered constantly upon his people. And one last thing, I remember once at Newtown Mission, it was right after the gay Mardi Gras, a mob gate crashed our evening service and this one particular person wanted to yell, is this a gay friendly church? And I love, I will never forget the senior pastor's reply, this is a people friendly church. I love that. It perfectly silenced those critics. It was lovely to see that. It was just this beautiful godly answer. And I pray that for us at this time as we sort of if any of us are sort of called into this debate, called into this this messy, horrible debate that's going on. That remember how it says in the Bible the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak at the right time. That we would have Holy Spirit infused words, words of grace and life at this time. Ultimately the desire Jesus would have for every Australian is to put the stones down and just look to him. Jesus is people friendly, the righteous and sinner alike. The punishment that woman and all of us deserved was laid upon him as he committed the most humble, courageous, vulnerable act ever by allowing himself to die on a cross and that's why we're here today He died for us so that we would live for him. I want to close with this beautiful passage from Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. The one who died once for all. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's praying. Lord Jesus, we, we live in a very, very smart, educated culture. It, it seems that the majority of people think you only win when you win the debate. And yet, here you are, Lord, offering something even, even grander. Lord, we just we just pray you would just take away just the 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 wall of division. Just take take away the the um you know anything that would we we just feel like we need to be holding a stone ready to fling, Lord God. Lord, ultimately we're just like that woman, Lord. We 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 don't deserve the life that we've been given, but we've chosen to leave our life of sin and, and, and live in freedom, not condemnation, Lord. And, and Lord, we, we want to be set free to just show people, show people what it means to live a life of freedom. He who the Lord sets free is free indeed. I pray, Holy Spirit, just come and, and this week as, as we engage with the world in any way, I just pray that you would just just infuse our words with with words of hope and life and freedom and love. Lord, I pray for us as a, as a as a congregation, as a community, may we model what the world cannot model at this time. Stones being thrown, Lord, we just want to fix our eyes on you at this time, Lord Jesus. We we just want to believe firmly. Everything is held in your hands and it's not a stone in your hand. It's it's just it's just freedom and life and and hope. In this hopeless time, we just want to thank you that we have the opportunity to fellowship together and to, and to just fix our eyes on you and your word. I pray, as Steve has said, that if, if that's just convicting someone right now, just that, that, that sort of desire to want to just put the stone down or even more than that, there's just a conviction. They just want to leave that life of sin because they've just heard something better being offered this morning. We, we just pray in the midst of, of this sort of chaos that there's peace in the storm and there's an opportunity for someone just to, 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 to bow down and worship you, Lord Jesus, at this time because you are our peace. You are the only peace we can have at this time, the peace of God which transcends all understanding. I pray for our hearts and our minds at this time. And to God be the glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.